Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show. And this show is for anyone that has a passion for making others healthier in this world. And I'm super excited today to have Paul Rains on the show. Paul Rains is an accomplished executive in the behavioral health space. And uh, Paul's here to tell us, you know, his story, but most importantly, what has him passionate about the behavioral health space and some of the work that he's been doing has done, looks to do more in the future. But Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Anthony. It's it's a pleasure to be here. Great, great. Well, Paul, again, thanks for making time. Tell us a little bit about, you know, your story, what led you to where you're at today. Uh, Take us back a little bit and, you know, walk us through a little bit. Okay. Well, uh, I I have been uh, working in the field of mental health for about 30 years. Uh, it, it was a, a career choice that I had made uh, around the age of 30. Never really saw myself, um, you know, going into healthcare, uh, but uh, due to some life circumstances, some lived experience type circumstances, I, uh, you know, I, I started pursuing a, a career path. I, I always knew that I wanted, you know, in healthcare that I wanted, I wanted to work in mental health. Um, and as a matter of fact, that you know, the, those career choices actually took a couple of turns early on. Uh, I initially started back to school to become a, a, a licensed uh, clinical social worker. Um, along in there, about a year and a half or so uh, into taking you know all of the psychology courses and things, uh, a sociology professor actually uh, uh, approached me and asked if I had ever considered going into the nursing field, and 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 I had never seen myself as as you know a nurse, an RN. Um, but it, it sounded intriguing, and I and I started to uh, to explore and investigate, and, and and lo and behold, that's the direction that I went. It's really kind of ironic because uh, uh, science was certainly not one of my strong points in you know in high school, uh, and, and so I, you know I had some I had some concerns about whether or not I was you know I was going to make that, but uh, I did. I, I, I attended a, a two year community college, and and uh, before I earned any, you know, uh, degree, I, I transferred to a four-year university, uh, the University of uh, North Carolina in, in, in Charlotte, and, and uh, attended the, the BSN program, uh, the Bachelor of Science in Nursing program, and graduated in, in 1996. Now, I had been already working in healthcare for a number of years prior to that as a, as a, uh, a mental health tech, uh, kind of an mm-hmm. assistant. So, uh, you know, I, I know what it's like to work your way up from the bottom. I've done pretty much every job uh, from the bottom up in, you know, in, in, in mental health care. Um, Worked as a nurse for a couple of years before uh, pursuing uh, uh, an advanced degree and went back to school to earn my uh, master's degree in, in, in psychiatric mental health nursing and, and uh, wanted to be a clinician. But uh, as, as the cards would have it, I, I began getting offers in, in the, the management field. Uh, I had worked in restaurant management, uh, interestingly, before I, I got into, into health care. And so, it, you know, it wasn't a... Uh, uh, it was a stretch for sure, but you know, right. at, at least I had some background in, in, in management. Yeah, no, Paul, you know, super interesting. And I can relate to, I mean, I, I worked, well, I worked in a restaurant, uh, you know, through college to pay for my college and, you know, I got into information technology and, you know, it's funny how restaurant processes, uh, mastering restaurant processes, right. Is, 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 uh, akin to, you know, operations in any business. I, I think I still have flashbacks of, uh, you know, yeah. a table wait for their food and <laughs> it wakes oh, me up oh, in the yeah. middle. Of the night, you know? Absolutely. But, uh, Paul, um, 
it's all in the mind, right? When it comes to health and when it comes to the behavioral health side, obviously you've seen so much. Tell us a little bit about, you know, in, in, in your work in behavioral health, what, what has you passionate um, in this field? What's, what's exciting to see? What are some interesting things that you're seeing? Maybe you can talk about one or, one or two of your experiences, you know, specifically in, the, in managing the behavioral health you know, process. Sure. Let me, let me start off by talking about, you know, when I, when I got into this field, uh, you know, persons with, with severe mental illness, uh, you know, were still uh, languishing in institutions and, and there were still somewhat archaic you know, types of treatment that were being uh, administered. And, and, you know, and it was right about the time I got in the field, we started seeing some breakthroughs in, in medical science where, uh, you know, different types of medications were coming out that had, uh, you know, these medications were being engineered to have fewer side effects and better, you know, better uh, outcomes. So, you know, I, I got into the field at a, at a really great time. I have a passion for uh, seeing folks, you know, that, that, uh, that, that are ill that the stigma of mental health is, is certainly something that you know that, that is is a, a barrier in our society we we judge people that you know that, that have mental illness we kind of put a label on them and and you know these are the people that we're working next to every single day you know right. these are people in business and you know and, and it's not just even though even though the you know the, the problem with uh, uh, mental mental illness and homelessness is, is huge in our country um, mm-hmm. there's a there's a significant portion of, of our of our society that that you know they they estimate up to 20 25% of folks will have a a, a mental uh, uh, some 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 type of mental illness or, or, or uh, experience with that through their lifetime, whether it be depression, whether it you know, be circumstantial or whatever, but but it, it affects a lot mm-hmm. of people and it certainly affects you know, the, the folks around us. So I have a passion for uh, people being able to access mental health services and care. And, and, and that's mm-hmm. just something I, you know, I, I were, I'm a very staunch advocate for, uh, for health mm-hmm. health, for mental health reform and, and, and reimbursement reform. Around, mm-hmm. around around mental health care so th- those are things that you know that, that uh, require ongoing uh, commitment to you know to, to continue to advocate for interesting mm-hmm. and Paul in this space so you know behavioral health so you know I started off my career building and coding claim systems for for one of the largest managemental health care companies and I think I might have told you that before in the past right it was value mm-hmm. options and I got to see just like you at a very early uh, standpoint, you know, the, the processes and, and how behavioral health, you know, affects the health, physical health, right? It's kind of like, you know, if someone's overweight, or, you know, if you're, you know, not feeling energetic, then it's like, you can do a self assessment and be like, Oh, I got to eat less carbs, less sugar. Um, mm-hmm. Behavioral health and mental health, not so apparent, because there's not this like, physical element to be able to point out the opportunities. But uh, not not trying to break things down in terms of a recipe or but what are some things that what's the difference that makes the difference in taking someone that has a certain mental condition and like getting them better like what are some common themes that you always see like some patterns that you like to see people go through you've seen people go through that really gets them you know to a better a better spot in their own mental health you know, I think it, it all begins with you know with with the, the very first encounters with with mental health professionals and developing uh-huh. therapeutic rela- relationships. I, you know, a lo- some of the some of the mental illnesses start, uh, and we're seeing them start younger and younger. Uh, but in, in mm-hmm. you know, the teenage years, uh, 
manic depression, some early signs of schizophrenia, you know, things like that. And and when and when these folks have a you know have a serious break and they encounter the mental health system, too often they wind up in an, you know an acute psychiatric facility, and that's a scary place to be, you know. Right. Uh, but 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 getting getting a, a building a therapeutic relationship and 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 being able to to teach and have them experience the fact that they they can live a very normal life. Uh, you know, if if you know if they if they actually engage in treatment and, and, and take care of themselves, not that you know, not that it's a, a kind of lifestyle that you know that that it's easy, uh, you know, for anyone with a serious mental illness. But but just I mean, any any type of mental illness really, I, I think is is it's key that you know that we that we pay attention to supporting you know the the services and the wellness and prevention services really that you know that that help. Uh, that, destigmatize and, and, and help these, mm-hmm. these folks get engaged in, in treatment. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And, and, you know, so, you know, big topic as you, you and I know these days is about like social determinants of health, mm-hmm. right. And, yeah. um, social factors that make a difference in trying to get that person that, that may have earlier in their teenage years or even earlier, some signs of potential mental illness that needs to be tackled but sometimes these children don't have like health insurance or they're being raised in a sense of like fear like i i can be on just to be open and honest like i didn't have health insurance as a kid and you know when i would go out and play basketball there was always that thing in the back of my mind like you know don't go up for a dunk or you might break your leg and your dad's gonna be really upset you know um but you know, what about these kids that are in families that are in zip codes or areas or, you know, backgrounds where they don't have health insurance or how do they get access and how do the parents know to, to route them? Any any insights there that, that you're seeing or, or yeah, any promising yeah. opportunities that you're seeing? This is another ironic piece to, to our health system. And I, and I don't mean to... Uh, to deprecate the, you know, the, the, the commercial insurance business. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, j- just because uh, someone has insurance does not necessarily mean that they that they have access to, to good mental health mm-hmm. care. And navigating the mental health system, even with insurance, is extremely difficult. I would say that, you know, in, in, in some ways, folks that uh, that are on government-assisted health care like Medicaid, um, mm-hmm. uh, they actually have more access to services. But, but you, mm-hmm. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, in, in the underserved and, and impoverished areas, getting getting the word to people. Uh, I mean, educating them. You know what what help is out there, uh, and, and addressing those social determinants of care. When you're living in a you know in a in a in a, in a crime ridden area where you know you're trying to survive. Uh, you're dealing with post-traumatic stress, you know, from a very early age, and and that's not right. that's not necessarily identified or even acknowledged that you know that these folks go through this. I, I mean, it, you know, a, a large portion of our society, you know, has what they need, and they have, they have a roof over their heads and, and food, and they don't walk out of their house living in you know in fear every day. Um, but you know, those folks that you know that do live like that or, or that live in poverty, uh, it's mm-hmm. you know, I, I think we we don't recognize how. Uh, you know how how much that affects them in different ways. The depression, the the post traumatic right. stress type type of stuff that goes on, it's there. It, it's there. I, right. I, I worked in it. You know, before I, I got into healthcare, I'd worked for a, a newspaper company in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, for a number of years. And 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 in the area, mm-hmm. the area that I had was the the uh, the lowest income areas in the city. And and they were they were areas where you know you, I, I was cautioned. Um, 
as a white male, you know, not, mm-hmm. not to be careful, you know, after dark in these places. But I, you know, I, I made I made a lot of uh, a lot of close uh, uh, friends. I spent a lot of time, you know, many many hours mm-hmm. out in, in, in these areas and got to know uh, a lot of these folks, you know, extremely well. And, and you know, would be invited into their homes and things. And you know what I what I witnessed during that part of my life was that. There was a realization that you know there there are things that these people live through that mm-hmm. the the majority of society does not even see or or or, right. or or know about. Right, right, yeah. It's 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 so interesting. It's it's very fascinating. And there's this you know dimension. Obviously, so so you and I are are here in the the SF Bay area. I know you're, you you know you're in Stockton, and, but obviously every single time you and I go into the city. Mm-hmm. You know, one one thing that's coming up a lot for me personally, I think a lot a big topic in the in the area and in California is is homelessness and you know behavioral health mm-hmm. and mental health. Would you could you share some of your insights on you know how we should be thinking about homelessness and mental health? Like, what are some solutions? I mean, I, I, you're probably like me. You go through the city and you have a heavy heart seeing this this person is a son. This person's a you know either a daughter they have they're a brother they're a sister they're they probably have children do do those their family members know where they're at what, you know do they have drug problems you know and um, I'm sensitive to it because my wife uh, is a uh, is a special needs teacher has been for a long time and I also look at these people I'm like these some of these people could just be the same child like I saw my you know you know my wife teaching and now they're an adult but. Um, how how does what is the mental model for thinking of that intersection of the, of the homelessness and, and the behavioral health side? Any any insights and, and potential solutions that you know you're, you're seeing that are promising or would like to see more of oh, you know in that space? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean the 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 prevalence of of, uh, of mental illness in, in the homeless population is is I think it's far higher than people realize. I've heard right. I've heard estimates between thirty and fifty percent, and 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 in a project that I, I just had the opportunity to go and visit in Spokane, Washington, uh, where they, mm-hmm. they have done some amazing things around around uh, housing. You know the the homeless. Uh, you know, they, their estimates are up around eighty percent, and and and, mm. and, I, and I and I tend to think that's probably more accurate. But uh, you know, you know, one of the things, and I, and I am involved in it. You know, uh, as I said earlier, an advocate for you know for for uh, mental health reform, and and, right. and and that that touches on on things like homelessness and, and those social determinants of care, and and so I've had the opportunity to work with you know to work with folks that, that are you know that are actively involved in in, in our community and in, in the housing uh, uh, you know and. And, and the homeless issues. One of the things that I see is it just for some folks in some areas they think it's a it's a it's an unsolvable, insurmountable problem that that, that requires you know tons of, of, of money and funding that's just not there. Um, but you know I've seen models that that you know in California is is probably a, a little bit different you know animal as far as uh, you know the cost of, of, of providing that stuff. But it, deep down inside we are. The fact that we are not taking care of each other, uh, that we're not taking care of these 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 people, you know, is I think it's a shame. It, you know, we, right. we need to be bringing the resources together and, and and figuring out how to do this. And again, you know, I, I really was was so impressed by the by the tour and the information I received with the uh, it was Catholic Charities of Eastern Washington that. Uh, 
that, that uh, had this program. And, and I spent about a day and a half up there seeing what they've done to, to uh, uh, working with, you know, with the homeless shelter and, and, and with the housing. They, they've actually built uh, uh, five, uh, I think, 50-unit uh, buildings um, and, and, and taking people off the street. And that, that's the hardest part is, is, is addressing the, the homeless, the truly homeless, not the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the folks that are couch surfing, but the truly homeless that are living in tents and, mm-hmm. you know, and living on the street and getting them into get, getting them into housing and you know and giving them an opportunity to live a you know a, a life like a a human being should have. So, right, I, I think I think we we do a disservice in every community when we don't come together and, and bring the resources together to to solve it. And I'm one of those people that nothing's impossible. And, and, right, and and I and I I believe it can be solved. I, I know that if we if we brought the right people to the table and, and and we brought all the right resources together, we could solve this. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, you know, it's when it comes to these social factors of mental health, shelter, and housing. You know, so key and so important. And uh, yeah, it's 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 very fascinating. We could probably do a whole other show on just you know potential solutions there and some of the great things going on on, on trying to get consistent housing and shelter for, for, for the homeless. But, um, no, this is great, Paul. And then maybe you can elaborate a little bit on, you know, your vision of mental health in the future. Like where do you see, uh, behavioral health going? Where do you see like treatments and mental health and, you know, being able to give society more consistent, you know, behavioral health, uh, you know, treatments, um, and care across the spectrum. Tell us your vision of the future in, in health. So, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of public-private partnerships, and I, and, and I believe, again, mm. that, that by by combining resources and, and working on, on developing uh, the campus-type models that you see in San Antonio and other places around the country, I actually had the opportunity to work in one of those early on in my career in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, where a public-private mm-hmm. partnership, and I mean, you had a psych emergency room, you had all of the inpatient and outpatient services, we had the ability to you know, to, to, to be able to treat those very uh, seriously mentally ill that, that otherwise would be, you know, homeless and wandering the street. And, and, and mm-hmm. today's, you know, with, in addition to that, we have, we have long acting injectable medications today that, you know, that you, you, you could, you can uh, provide a, a, you know, a patient with chronic serious psychotic disorders, uh, a medication that can help bring them to a more normal uh, state and, and, and allow them to make better judgments around their, their own care and their own, you know, uh, determination mm. and well-being. I, I see mm-hmm. the, the, the future uh, in a positive way as as developing these public-private partnerships and putting all the resources we have to bear toward providing, you know, the right treatment uh, for the right amount of time and, you know, in the right place. And, and, and it will go a long way to, to resolving a lot of these other social uh, issues that we have. So interesting interesting uh, i think a lot of our listeners are not aware of probably the progression and how far over the past like decade uh the injectables element has has come across can you elaborate a little bit more on that like so there's these interesting scenario ones that i'm sure you've had family members and friends and, and most people have that that one you know family member or friend that has had schizophrenia and you know that's a that's a really tough one right because they check out they don't take the meds they come back vice versa, et cetera. And there's obviously a lot of other psychoses, uh, if that's even a word, yeah. that, that have that. 
Um, and then the injectables, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, w w wish there was like something longer term, but maybe you could elaborate on the injectables. And then I'd love to come back and hear a little bit more about the San Antonio model. I'm, I'm a little familiar with it, but love to hear a little bit more about that as well. Well, you know, it, it back, uh, you know, like I said, when I first got into this and, and, it, and it was the time when, you know, uh, I, I call it more archaic, you know, methods of treatment and, and, and some of those, mm -hmm. some of those, uh, you know, the medications that were used, even the, some of the longer acting ones uh, uh, were actually in, in, in place at that time, the Haldol, Thorazine, things like that. The, the ones that, that kind of, mm -hmm. you know, gave, uh, you know, one flew over the cuckoo's nest kind of a, you know, uh, idea of, of what, of what psychiatric treatment was like is that you, you know, you, you, you over sedate people to the point where they you know they they can't really function there, there there's mm -hmm. got to be a, ha a happy median in there somewhere between you know the folks with these t these types of serious mental illnesses there's a term called anosognosia it means that they are unable to 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 un understand and realize you know how their illness is affecting them therefore they are unable to make the kind of judgments to you know that would allow them to live a you know, a higher quality of life. And, 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 mm -hmm. you know, we, we've got, we've got patient rights groups that, you know, that scream, you know, you got to let people be who they are, where they are with what they have. And, and personally, I think that is one of the most inhumane things we can do. Never giving someone the mm -hmm. opportunity to, 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 to know what it feels like to have even a, you know, a, some sort of normality in their life, you know, where, where right. they're functionally able to do this. So, so over the years, what right. we've seen, we, what we've seen is the development, uh, you know, by some of the pharmaceutical companies and I know they get a bad rap a lot of times. And, and yes, I, you know, I don't always agree that what they do with their, you know, their pricing and things is, 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 is good, but they, they have, they've come out with some of these longer acting injectables, these, these uh, second generation antipsychotics that, you know, that can be injected mm. that, that last a, a much longer time. Giving that, that patient with chronic serious mental illness, the ability to, you know, to, to, to be able to get, to, to get a leg up, you know, to, to start to realize right. that they, you know, they Some leverage. Yeah, they, we, yeah. we can keep them engaged. We can get them back to their appointments. We can, uh, you know, help them, uh, figure out how to, you know, how to be self-sufficient and, and things like that. Um, you know, the, and, and these things are, you know, the, the research proves that people with serious mental illness die 25 years younger than everybody else. We don't know what the outcome will be if we see these, you know, some of these newer medications in use over a longer period of time you know will we extend, right. extend the one thing i know for sure is is that we have the opportunity to improve the quality of their life and 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 you know all the things that we can do we should do interesting interesting and then paul and and i know um i want to be sensitive to the time mm -hmm. as well but you know along the lines of the vision of the future and that san antonio model and the campus model um, obviously, you have the psychiatric units on campus, and you, can, you, can you elaborate a little bit more on some other interesting elements that make that model pretty unique and maybe provide a, a glean of, you know, hey, maybe there's something scalable here. What mm -hmm. can you describe it a little bit more? Like, what else does that look like? What, what, why are there benefits to that model? You know, it, it's kind of a one-stop shop thing. You know, it, when when, you, when right. you have all the services on one campus and you have a full array of services, both inpatient and outpatient, mm -hmm. uh, preventive services, things like that. And, and, it, and, it, and it's open to everybody. It doesn't matter who your payer is. It doesn't matter right. if you have commercial insurance or if you're, you know, if you, if it's Medicaid or, or if you have no insurance, you know, that, that, it's one place where you can come that's recognized in the community as a place for help. And, and, and that, you know, and, and the other thing is, is that you have, you also have the opportunity to uh, engage those folks and, and put, you know, 
collaborate with other other social uh, uh, community agencies to be on site to be able to provide things like you know access to food, shelter, clothing, uh, jo- job training. Uh, I mean, those, all those services that we that we have so kind of siloed in our communities. It need it needs to be. We need to connect the dots. Is is that's that's my right. that's my my catchphrase. We have we need to connect the dots. We need to bring these things right. together and, and, and make it a, a situation where anybody can access and, and get what they need. Uh, it shouldn't be, uh, you know, hell, they can't manage their day from, you know, morning to night without living in, you know, in, in jeopardy. How do you think they can manage navigating a mental health system that's so scattered, yeah. scattered and dis- disparate? So, yeah, so true. Yeah. So true. Yeah. It's just the triage is, I mean, just the pure physical element of it. It's like physics, right? Just right. keep it all in one, one place, all right there. You don't have to make the person think. And, uh, no, super, super powerful model. Um, but I think what's even more important is, you know, you've shared with our audience and our listeners here, some, not just your story and what led you to where you're at, but some really interesting models and innovations in the mental health space in a space that has a lot of stigmatization, um, and, um, isn't talked about enough i i feel and so i really appreciate i think it's a blessing you know your experiences and and being able to provide what you what you have and you know obviously love to have you back on the show as you as you see more studies engage in more um you know of your projects that that um, you've mentioned you know throughout the year and next year of course love to have you back and have you speak about these things uh as always but uh uh, Paul, thank you so much for, for being on the show. And um, for our listeners, anyone that wants to reach out to you or engage with you, what's a, what's a good way to connect with you? Uh, well, you um, can reach me at uh, uh, paul.reigns uh, okay. at dignityhealth.org. Great. Mm-hmm. Great. So, yeah, we'll link to that um, in the show notes. And uh, this is super great, Paul. We appreciate the time. Uh, and to our listeners out there, again, this is the Pop Health Show, and this show is for anyone with a passion for making others healthier in this world. Thanks so much, everyone. Paul, thank you thank again. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. <laughs>